Before we get into the message, we're in part four of the Daniel Dilemma today. But uh, before we go any further, kind of let you know where we're headed. And that is next week, we're going to begin a brand new series that we're calling Legacy. And a legacy is not uh, what you store up to pass on to your children. I want to leave a legacy. It's not, I mean, it's, it's not about the, the wealth that you may leave behind. That's great. Leaving a legacy really is more about the difference that you make in the people around you. Amen. And so we're going to talk about that over the next several weeks, and I, I can't wait to share what that's going to be like next week, but that's where we're headed. So we're starting a new series called Legacy, and today it is uh, the final part of the Daniel Dilemma, and we're using a, a, a book by Pastor Chris Hodges called The Daniel Dilemma as a resource for us through this series, but uh, really we're using the book of Daniel too, right, straight from the Word of God. And what we're learning is how to, how to stand firm and love well at the same time, right? That we've got to do both of these. And what we're seeing throughout this series is that the church hasn't done a great job of either of these. Either the church takes a stance and, and takes a stand on things that don't really matter. Can I get a witness? We take a stand on things that really don't matter, and we push people away from God. Or we just don't have a stand at all, and we kind of have this anything goes mentality. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we feel like what we think is we love people more than God loves people, which is, that's ludicrous. God, God, can't, God loves people way more than we love people. Amen? He does. So we're learning how to do both, how to stand firm, how to love well, how to do both of these things together. Now, last week, we actually talked about how, uh, how to stand firm. And then if we're going to stand on something, if we're going to stand firm on something, we need to make sure what we're standing on is what? Firm. Like we're going to stand on something. Let's make sure we're standing on the right thing. But today, we're going we're gonna to talk about how to love well, how to love well. And if you're wondering why the lights are up, we're just having some problems with, our, with our, our normal house lighting, our normal stage lighting. So that's why it's up and down. I can see y'all today. Y'all look, <laughs> look good. Normally, I'm like, is anybody out there? We got, got somebody. So, so today we're talking about how to love well. And Galatians 5 puts it this way. Paul says, the only thing that counts. In other words, the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself through love. That's what matters. That's the only thing in this life that matters. So it doesn't matter if you're right if you push people away from God. Can I get a witness? Oh, but I'm right, Pastor. Well, but you push people away from God. It doesn't matter that you were right. But, uh, one person said it this way. We can't antagonize and influence people at the same time. <laughs> right? my, my brother, my, my boys, they try to antagonize and influence at the same time. It's like, I'm not listening to you. You're crazy, right? No, I'm not doing what you say. You, you, you're just picking on me a minute ago. Now you want me to do this? And another person said it this way, you'll never win your enemies to Christ, so don't have enemies. Think about that for a second. God has called us to influence our culture, and we can't influence people if they don't like us. I'm preaching better than y'all are. Amen. Right? It, Nobody, if nobody likes us, we can't influence people. So what do we do? Well, Jesus said it this way. He said, a new command I give you. And John, he says, a new command I give you. Now, he wasn't giving a new command. This, was, this has been part of 
God's plan the whole time. He wasn't giving a new command. He's just kind of sarcastically saying, oh, let's try to love people. How about that? He says, a new command I give you. Love one another. That was God's command a long time ago. But they had been just speaking. It had been all about the law. So he says, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. Now, how does God love us? Unconditionally. Remember, he loves us for no good reason. He loves us not because we did anything right or perfect. He just loves us. No good reason. So as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And I love how he wraps it up. He says, by this, by what? By the fact that you love people, all men will know that you're my disciples. People will know we're part of the church if we love each other. They'll notice something's different about us. They'll notice, oh man, you don't treat me like the other people treat me. You, you care about me. You, you love me. They'll notice the difference there if you love one another. Now, this is supposed to be the distinguishing part of Christianity, loving one another. Are you hearing me? This is supposed to be the distinguishing part. Instead, what the world has seen is churches splitting over silly reasons and fighting amongst themselves. Well, I don't like the color of the carpet. We're just going to go over here and start us another church. Well, somebody moved the piano across the stage. By the way, do you know how to move a piano in a church? One inch at a time. That's how you do it right there. <laughs> the, the world has looked on the church and seen us fighting each other. And my favorite is, well, nobody came to visit me last week when I didn't come to church because I had a hangnail. Well, are you in a small group? Well, no. Uh, do you, are you on the dream team? Well, no. Does anybody even know your name at church? No. <laughs> oh, you, you wanted somebody to call and check on you. Uh, and we, we fight. The church has been fighting for years in the church. And let me just say it this way. If people, if we can't love one another inside the church, how in the world are we going to love somebody outside the church? And that's what I love about City Hope is we get to set the culture here. That's, I'm, I'm not preaching to the choir. This isn't a church that's in turmoil or anything. I'm just saying that's been the history of the church, that we fight over silly and, and dumb reasons. And one of my favorite reasons for people to leave the church, actually, I don't have a favorite reason, but uh, <laughs> I, don't like it. I don't like it when anybody leaves the church. But a lot of times people will say, well, brother, it's just not deep enough. It's not deep enough. What, what do you mean it's not deep enough? Well, it's just, you know, it's just not spiritual enough, you know. And what they mean is we really want you to talk to us in a way that we can't understand it, and it confuses us so that when we leave, we have a whole lot of questions about what you're talking about. And listen, I've been to Bible college. I have a, a, a degree in worship ministry. I took, all, I took the Bible classes, systematic theology, Old Testament, New Testament, survey. I took homiletics. I know about exegesis and hermeneutics. And oh, Y'all follow me, right? See, I've already lost you. I went deep on you. You're like, I don't know what he's talking about. So I, I, we could go deep. We could go deep. In fact, let's go deep right now. Let's go deep and, and see what Jesus had to say. Some deep thoughts by Jesus. If you want to go deep, here they are. I love this. Love your enemies. That's pretty deep. Pray for those who persecute you. <clears throat> um, 
do good to those who hate you. <laughs> Lend to them without expecting anything in return. That's deep right there. See, here's, here's the thing. I can go deep if you want me to go deep, but listen to me. Uh, like, I can use concordances to find the Greek and Hebrew meaning of the words, but somebody who's drowning doesn't need to know the meaning of a life raft. They need a life raft. Come on. So we can tell them all about the meaning of the life raft when we get them saved. But until then, they just need the life raft. They need a, they need a lifeline. Come on, y'all with me? So that's, that's why we do what we do here. If you want to go deep, but we're not, if, if we want to go deep, but we're not willing to live the basic principles of Christianity, maybe we're not as deep as we thought we were. Let's, let's do what the Bible says. Let's practice Christianity. And Paul says it this way. He says, let love be your highest aim. If you're going to aim at something, if you've got a target, make it love. Love. Let that be our highest aim. So I want to take a few moments today to just show you what it looks like when we live without love. And this is coming from, this is coming from the, the love chapter. The Bible uh, is uh, put up in books, right? And so the love chapter is 1 Corinthians. It's Paul's first letter to the Corinthians church. And we call it the love chapter, chapter 13. You've probably heard it at weddings. Okay, and, and I'm using some of the points today. They come from a, a few pastors that I really look up to, Pastor Rick Warren and, and uh, Chris Hodges. And so here's a few of, of their points mixed in here, and that is this. When we, read, when we read the love chapter, we can conclude that all I say is ineffective without love. Without love, everything I say doesn't matter. It, it, it doesn't matter. And, and you might say, well, well, but I'm right, Pastor Ben, I'm right. Well, if they don't like you, it doesn't matter. If they're not listening to you, it doesn't matter that you're right. But I'm right, Pastor Ben. But it's not about being right, it's about being effective. It's not about winning the argument, it's about winning friends, it's about winning souls and winning hearts. And I feel like we live in a culture that's, that's full of destructive words. It's toxic. We have a culture that's, that's hateful. And Paul said it this way in, in chapter 13, verse 1. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, in other words, if I have eloquent speech, if I can write a post like nobody's business, um, but I don't have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. And we see this exacerbated through social media. Uh, can I, can I just get on a soapbox here for a minute? We see it through social media. This week, uh, we see a brother in Christ, Kanye West. He's professed his faith as, in Jesus as the Lord and Savior of his life. Releases an album, just incredible. And all the church people over here going, are we going to see if it lasts? And they're, they're commenting on posts, yeah, I, I hope it works, but that's not celebration. You can't celebrate with a butt. You know what I'm saying? You celebrate. That's, period. We, we celebrate. We, we, we celebrate. So we got all these people, negative posts, negative comments. I don't know about this, and I don't know about that. Or, or maybe I've seen it when tragedies happen, and someone loses a child. And all of a sudden, people start posting on the parents' Facebook page about how what worthless parents they are. Because they didn't protect their child. 
Come on, somebody. Even if it is true, you don't say that. That's not loving. What, what good does it do? And so I'm just calling us as a church. I'm calling us as a people of God. We're going to stop that. We're, we're not going to be like that. It, like all of a sudden, if I, if I don't agree with somebody now, I'm the bad guy and I've, I must die because I don't think like somebody else. Listen to me. We've got to stop with the hurtful words, the hurtful comments. And it starts here at City Hope Church that we're going to set the example. We're not going to let that junk come out of our mouths. We're going to say, hey, go get them, Kanye. You got it, baby. We, we got your back. Come on. Hey, we're praying for you because it's a modern day Saul to Paul co- conversion. We ought to celebrate that. He's, he's, he's led more people to Jesus in the last week than most of us ever will in a lifetime. Mm, I'm just getting fired up. But pastor, I'm right. It doesn't matter because Ephesians says we speak the truth in love. (laughs) We speak it in love. And when we speak it in love, here's what happens. We grow in every way more and more like Christ. You want to grow like Christ? Speak the truth in love. Lace it in love. Let every word that comes out of your mouth be in love. It's not in your notes, but on the screen, Ephesians 4.29 says it this way. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up. Did you know our words, they either build people up or they tear people down? That's what happens. We build people up or we tear people down. So I'm just saying as a church, let's build people up. Let's be builders in Jesus' name. Without love, number two, all I know is insignificant. It doesn't matter. All my knowledge goes to waste if, if I have no love to go with it. In 1982, IBM predicted that by the year 2020, human knowledge would double every 12 hours. Like 2020 is two months away. And I'm pretty sure that's here. I'm pretty sure human knowledge is doubling. When when you look at all of the technology that we have and computers in our back pocket. And and here's what we have. We, We have a world that is more connected than ever before, but more relationally chaotic than ever before. We, we have a world, like we're getting smarter, our knowledge is doubling and getting greater and greater, but the world is getting worse and worse. Because here's the deal, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Speak the truth in love. Love, love. Paul says in verse 2 of uh, Corinthians 13, he says, if I have the gift of prophecy... If I have all knowledge, if I, have, if I can fathom everything, if I'm a know-it-all, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. Nothing, nada. Zip, right? Without love, number three, all I believe is insufficient. If you've ever written a bad check before, uh, it's what they call insufficient funds. <laughs> you didn't have enough to cover it. If... Like, all I believe is insufficient if I don't have love. Well, I believe in Jesus. Congratulations. The demons in hell believe in Jesus. And they tremble. So I'm, I, 
Yeah, that's great to believe in Jesus, but it's insufficient. If, if our belief in Jesus, it's, it's not a great motivation if, if we don't love people. It pushes them away. In fact, if you don't love people, I'm going to go as far to say it, you don't love God. Well, brother, I think you're, I think you're a little out of line right there. No. Um, I'll let you take that one up with God because in 1 John 4, 20, he, he says it this way. He says, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, you will lie. He's a liar. He who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he hasn't seen. Paul says in verse 2, he says, if I have faith that can move mountains, if I believe to the point where I can move mountains, but I don't have love. I am nothing. I'm nothing. Without love, number four, all I give is incomplete. It's lacking. And what I love about City Hope is that we're a generous church. Not, I'm not just talking about you and the amount of money that you give. I'm talking about what, what City Hope is able to give outside of these walls we're a generous church. But it's not about the amount of money. It's about the heart behind all of that. It's about the love that goes out with that. And I try to celebrate with you every week something, even if it's just a little something, what, what your giving has done. Even if it's just reminding you where it's going, Cuba and, and Uganda. Listen, every month when, when you give, 4% of every dollar that comes in here goes to local, local missions. We use it locally to make a difference in our community. 3% of everything that comes in here is used for international missions. We're building water wells. We're feeding orphans. We're educating orphans in Uganda. We're planting churches in Cuba. 3% of our income goes out to, to foreign missions. 2% goes to church planting. Actually, a little bit more than 2% of the income goes to church planting every single month. We, this year, we've helped plant over 60 churches across America. That's pretty awesome. And then what I, what I love about the last one, the last 1%, which is act technically the first 1%, it goes to Israel. Because Jesus said to the Jew first. So that's what we do. We, we feed Jews and Arabs in, in Israel, who are impoverished, they're getting three meals a day at a local soup shop. Through Abraham's bread, we're able to take care of people and feed them through the local church. That's, that's 10% of everything that comes in goes out. But listen to me. All of that is pointless if we don't have love. We could, Paul said it this way in, in verse 3. He said, if I gave everything away... If we gave 100% of the income here away, it wouldn't mean jack squat without love. It doesn't matter. The next thing, without love, all I accomplish is inadequate. Everything I accomplish is inadequate. This is hard for us because we value, we're a culture that values accomplishment. We like to look at what we've done and, and see what we've done, and we value that. But let me remind you that there's going to be two judgments when we get to heaven. Yes, it is. The first one determines where you spend eternity. Amen. You go into heaven or hell. And by the way, we're a church that believes in both. We're going to go to heaven or hell. 
And so listen to me. That's the first judgment. And we make it to heaven not based on what we do, not based on our works or our efforts, nothing like that. We make it by the grace of God. That's, that's how we get to heaven. But the second judgment is, is the, 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 the great white throne of judgment. That one determines your reward in heaven. The Bible talks about mansions and, and, and levels of reward. that We're going to be rewarded by our works on this earth. But listen to me, God isn't auditing us based on the laundry list of accomplishments that we had on earth and how great we did things. He audits us based on how we treated people, how we loved people. Did, did, we, did we feed the widows? Did we take care of the orphans? Did we clothe the poor? Did we feed them? Did we take care of them? That's what Jesus asks us to do. Did we do those things? And, and that's how he audits us. And Paul says it in verse 3, he says, if I give my body over to hardship that I can boast, in other words, if I accomplish all of these things, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. I don't, I don't have anything. So it doesn't matter what we do in this life if we don't have love. So what does real love look like? That's the question. If that's what we are without love, what are we with love? Well, it's in the same chapter, the love chapter. Paul begins to tell us what real love looks like. In the very next verse, verse 4, he says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't envy. It's not boast. It doesn't puff up its chest. and It's not proud. It says that love doesn't dishonor people. It, it's not self-seeking. It's not all about me. This is what real love is like. It's not easily angered. Well, we don't agree together. We, we don't. You must be the bad guy. No, it's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Uh-oh. Uh, some of you have a, a filing cabinet full of the records of wrongs of other people, but love doesn't do that. It says that love does not delight in evil. When, when you're posting on social media that, a, a person who is alleged to have killed a child needs a bullet put in their head. Love doesn't delight in that. Love doesn't delight in He needs to be hanged. He needs to be treated the way that child was treated. I feel you, but love does not delight in evil. It rejoices with truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. It never fails. And so this is what real love looks like. So what do we do with this real love? How do we love people well? How do we take this love chapter and love people? Well, we do it like Daniel. We just do it like Daniel. And then Daniel was the kind of guy that he loved people well, but he stood firm at the same time. He was promoted in kingdoms even though he stood firm and loved well. So let's look at his life. And it's, it's in Daniel chapter 6. It says that it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom. That's just like mayors that he appointed. And then he put three administrators with them. One of, was Daniel. And the satraps were made accountable to these, to these administrators so that they wouldn't suffer loss, so that the kingdom would keep moving and it would succeed. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself 
among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the entire kingdom. I want you to notice what he did. He distinguished himself. He wasn't just an incredibly gifted guy in everything. He wasn't a jack of all trades. He distinguished himself. He embraced some qualities that he didn't have. And he, here's what I want to say to you. Some of you, you want to serve God. You want to use your gifts, but you've disqualified yourself because you weren't the best. Well, I, I could never do this. I could never serve in that capacity. I could never be on the worship team. I could never do something in production. Whatever it is, but listen to me, you don't have to be the best at things because when you embrace these kinds of qualities, you're going to stick out. And people are going to want you on their team. They're going to say, I want to hire that guy. I want that guy on my team. I want that gal working alongside me because of these exceptional qualities. So he goes on to say, at this, at, at the fact that the king wanted to promote Daniel to the ruler of everything, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct. They were trying to look at how's he behaving. Where can we find a way that he's not acting right in the government? But they were unable to do so, and they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither, they, neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these guys said, I guess we'll never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel. So he loved people well, and he stood firm at the same time. And I want to I, what I want to do is just take a minute to show you how he did it. How, how did he stand firm? And there's some things we can't change about our situation. I'm going to show you how we can love well. There's some things we can't change. I've, I've been the same height since like fifth grade, right? It ain't changing. I can't change this. I can't change who my parents are. I can't change where I was born. I can't change my past. But I can make better decisions about tomorrow. I can choose to love people well tomorrow. I can choose to have a good attitude. Y'all with me? I can make those decisions. So remember, choices lead, feelings follow. We're going to choose to do this first. So here's a few things you can do tomorrow when you go into the world. Some ways that you can love well. Number one, serve. Serve. Serve people at your work. Serve people at your school. Take on this attitude of being a servant. Oh, but pastor, I'm the boss. That's even better. It's called servant leadership. Dad, you can serve your kids you can serve your spouse. You can serve people in your household. If you're, if you're a manager, if you're a boss and you oversee people at work, maybe you need to cut the reserve parking sign out for yourself. I'm, I'm really, maybe you need to designate that for somebody else. Maybe a pregnant lady on the team. Maybe it's an employee of the month who gets your parking spot and you start to park the furthest away. Maybe it's bringing in donuts or coffee or serving your team in some way that, that it's not about you all the time. And you just serve your team. Here's a way you can do it. You just find a need and you fill it. You find a hurt and you heal it. You just serve your team. You serve people. Paul showed us how to do that. And he said in, in chapter 9 of 1 Corinthians, he said, Though I'm a free man, like in other words, I'm the boss, 
I'm in charge. I, I make myself a slave to everyone. Why? So that I could win some people? So I could win somebody to Jesus? And Jesus did the same thing. He did the same thing here. Um, he was all-knowing. He could walk into a room and know the thoughts of every person there. But he didn't barge in and start pointing out everybody's thoughts and failures. Thank God for that, right? He did respond to people many times based on their thoughts, but it was after he had connected with them. All right? Here's something I need you to get. Jesus always connected before he corrected he always connected before he corrected. How, how do you do that? Hey, can we go to lunch? Hey, can we, can we go to coffee? Can, can we just have some time together this week? And you don't need to correct them on anything. You just talk. You, you, you just have relationship with that person. Maybe you have an opportunity to share your faith with that person. And Jesus did this so well. One of my favorite times he did it is with Zacchaeus, Right? Zacchaeus was a wee... If you, if you grew up in Sunday school, you know this. Wee little man was he. We know that one, right? If you grew up in church, you probably heard that. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, and he was hated by his own people. He, they couldn't stand him because he would extort money from his people in, in order to pad his own pockets. He was a thief, so he's taking more than he should, and he's patting his pockets. Well, one day, Jesus is coming into Jericho. Zacchaeus can see him in the distance, but he can't see over the people because he's like me. He's short. And so he climbs into a sycamore fig tree, the Bible says, and he starts to look out for Jesus. And when Jesus gets up next to the tree, he says, Hey, Zach, you, you want to go to lunch? It, it says that he said, come down, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house today. And I don't know what they talked about in, in lunchtime, but when Zacchaeus come out, he said, look, I'm giving away all my wealth, and if I've cheated anybody, I'm, I'm paying them back four times. He got saved, y'all. Something happened to Zacchaeus in that moment, but Jesus connected with him first. That's what happens. He connected with him. So, so the next thing, if we're going to serve people and love people, we've got to set an example for people. Set an example. This is where some people say, preacher, I, you, know, you don't want me setting an example because if people look at my life, I'm a, they're going to be turned off, right? That, that you don't want them looking at me because I don't have my act together. This is why we keep telling you over and over again, get in a small group. Go through the growth track. Find out what your purpose in life is. Start serving other people, not for us, but for you, because when you do that, your heart's going to change. Because you can be an example and not be perfect. Come on, somebody. You don't have to have it all together to be an example. You can, you can be an example right where you are. The third thing is this. Share Christ with them. Share Christ with them. You don't even have to share City Hope. Just share Jesus. Just share Jesus. Uh, this coming Saturday is our first Saturday serve. And there's going to be teams out that are um, at the laundromat. And they're paying for people's laundry as they do their laundry. There, there's going to be people putting together care packages for patients and families who are in ICU. 
And without a doubt, there's going to be the question, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? And, and Peter says it this way. In 1 Peter, he says, always be prepared to give an answer. When somebody says, why are you doing this? Be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. Why are you doing this? Because we love you. And God does too. We love you. And God does too. Let me tell you what, about what he did in my life. And maybe you have an opportunity to share your faith with that person. Amen? I love what Francis of Assisi said. He said, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. If necessary, use words. I love that. Here, here's the last thing I want you to write down, and then we're going we're gonna to pray. But really, it boils down to how I act is way more important than what I say. We're talking about how to love people well. We, we might say it in today's culture like actions speak louder than words. It's the truth. See, today's message is, is not behavior modification. I want you to get that. We're not talking about just changing your behavior. Because the truth is, if, if you try to act better, you're not going to get very far. You're thinking, man, I can't do this. I don't have it in me. I don't have the ability to change. I've tried. It's impossible. And you're right. It's impossible without God. But the scripture says, with God, all things are possible. And when you understand, when you receive God's love, that's when your capacity to love somebody else changes. Because the Bible says we can't love somebody else if we don't love God. It, it says it this way. We only love other people because he first loved us. And we have to receive his love. We have to receive that for ourselves. And when you receive his love, a miracle takes place. A miracle happens. So my goal today wasn't to give you three steps on how to love people well. My goal is to introduce you to the one person in all of the universe who can change your life. And that's Jesus. And that's Jesus. So would you bow your heads with me, close your eyes. And I'll ask our team, if you just would cut the lights down, you can turn the house lights off. I want to give you an opportunity to respond today. If you're here today and you say, Ben, I've never trusted God with my life. I, I've never received his love. I feel distant. I feel far from him. And, and I, I don't have the capacity to love because I've never received God's love. And I'm ready to receive his love today. If that's you, on the count of three, with boldness and courage, just, just let me know by lifting your hand. If that's you, one, two, three. God bless you. Lift your hand. Who else today? Thank you. Thank you. Who else? That's me, Ben. I, I want to receive the love of Christ today. I want to receive forgiveness. I want to receive his presence and his power in my life. Who else here today? That's me. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much. I'm proud of you. Proud of you. Come on, let's say this prayer together. Say, Jesus, I receive your love. I receive forgiveness. Will you make me new? Cleanse me 
Wash me white as snow. I confess I'm a sinner in need of salvation. You're my salvation. You're my hope. I put my trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.